Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about two movies, uh, very, very different movies, uh, both about one person kind of controlling another, I guess, in a way. but Both with vaguely religious subtext slash text, sort I- of. Not really, but kind of. Well, one, yes. N- I don't know about the other, but... Uh, today we're going to be talking about... One with religious text, one with religious subtext. That's not really subtext, it's just something that they try to make part of it, and whatever. Yes. Fair enough. Our two movies today are... Venom, Venom and The Master. They're not related at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, that's uh, our first of like the new releases. Um, just came out, it's starting this big wave of uh, fresh blockbusters that should be actually yeah, they pretty saved solid. them all for october i don't know why they did that but it's gonna be a heck of a month i think yeah it's gonna be great there's gonna be the new james bond coming Venom, out james bond dune like uh the last duel right yes ridley scott's new movie yep so I, i'm really hyped for a whole plethora of movies coming out from here until like christmas because they're just gonna be solid um but yeah we're gonna be starting with venom here uh I think we reviewed the first one. I don't remember. What was our store for that one? Do you have that on um, the books there? I don't know if I have it or not. That might be because it was one we of our, were... it was like, I don't think it's on the books because it was like our first episode, I think. It was our no, first was... or second episode. It was, one of, it was right at the start, so I don't yeah. think we have it. So it's kind of crazy. I mean, that's like the whole span of our history of our show. I mean, yeah, we started with... Started with Venom 2 now, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was just before we start, uh, were logging all of them. I think it did okay. I think it was like high 70s when it when it was reviewed by us. I doubt it, because I did not like it that much. I mean, if it was that high, I was not contributing. <laughs> oh, well, I I don't know. I liked the first one. I think the second one's even better. Like, I was really, really happy. I love this I- sequel, <laughs> and uh, you sound like you do not. I did not like the first one, and I think this one's even worse. <laughs> Why did you not so, like the first one? The first one is a structural mess, like absolutely all over the place. Um, but there's like hints of something there. This one takes those hints of something there and like makes it the entire movie, which is basically the relationship between Tom Hardy and Venom. And it ends up being kind of this like buddy cop, uh, rom-com type story happening here. Um, but I just don't think that like it can hold a movie, that relationship. Like, yes, it was funny in bits and pieces in the first movie. When you make it, when... Tom Hardy talking to himself becomes the entire structural backbone of your film. Like it, even at a hundred, an hour and twenty six minutes, it can't hand, it can't hold it. It just doesn't. I'm glad you brought up the runtime. And I came into this wanting to have fun. Like I came in like knowing this whole idea of Venom is ridiculous. Like knowing that Tom Hardy is going to go off and play with it. I was excited to see what Andy Serkis was going to do as a director. Like I came in fully not expecting but wanting to. Uh, love and at least like have a good time with this but it's just it's just so like there's so many things where it just falters from the start um and then when it starts to just go off of tom hardy making funny noises i i just can't (laughs) i see i'm glad you brought up the runtime because i actually felt like this movie was perfectly paced 
I think and it could have taken 20 minutes out or it's 15 minutes out. Like you could make this even to an 80 minute instead of a 96 minute movie. I don't know. I, I really thought it was perfectly paced. I thought every like the action kept it moving really well. And I didn't think they wasted too much time on anything that was unnecessary. I felt well, like they kind of... not as much as they do in the first film. Because in the first film, you I felt that like the first 30 or 40 minutes for or so until you get to Venom actually uh, being the parasite and coming into Tom Hardy's body, like... Before that, it's just a drag because it's just all this like reporter stuff, and it's like we're going around and trying to do the best, and it's just all so bland and uninteresting. Mm. Um, so the part, the part that that's the thing though, like that's the, the part that you care about is the relationship between Tom Hardy and Venom, uh, Eddie Brock and Venom. But as soon as you make that, like, but here, you, so I would ex that's what I expected to like about this movie was the fact that. Tom Hardy and Venom were going to start out the movie together and we were going to get to watch that play out for the entire time. Um, I just didn't, I just don't think it can hold the movie. Like there's just, there needs to be more than that. Mm. I, um, I don't know. I felt like, um, so it kind of corrects some of the things from the first movie, but then falters in other ways. I felt like the most interesting parts of this movie didn't really come from them. I felt like it came from, uh, you know, like, the, the serial Carnage? killer, yeah, and, and I, his girlfriend, and I felt that okay, those parts were interesting. That's and one of the biggest things I hate about this movie, and it's a, even worse in the first movie. Why do we keep making villains in superhero movies the exact same thing as their opponent, as the as the good guy? Like, all it makes for is just goo slapping up against each other. That wasn't a, a decision necessarily of the, of the film. It's how... The Venom comics are. There's a lot of versions of well, different. Well, sure. I'm saying symbiotes. as a storytelling choice, I don't think that really works all that well because on screen it's just masses of goo. There's some things that this movie this movie definitely improves upon that because the first film they're both black. This one at least they're differentiating color between black and red. And Venom and Carnage has like these has like a more spiky thing to him, and he like uses spears and stuff to like try and pierce through Venom's skin and stuff like that. In the first film, it's even worse because they're just like they're literally the exact same thing from what I remember. They're not even different at all. Here, at least they're different, but they're still more or less the same thing. And like every other superhero movie has a problem. Black Panther, Iron Man, like those are the two best MCU movies, and they'll still both have the same problem. I don't know. I I like Iron Man's villains. I think Whiplash is different enough. Well, um, I'm I'm referring to Iron Monger. Iron Monger in the first film. Well, he's bader and badder, and he's a little right. So right, no, so I agree. So they do differentiate him slightly, but it's like I just feel like something like was Whip something like Whiplash, where he does have. The whippy things that are different from Iron Man, like I mean the whips. Yes, the whip, the, the electric whips. Yeah. Yes. Um, I am not a comic book guy. Uh, if it's not clear enough, that's okay. I mean, you don't have to be a comic book guy. But I but used to, I used to be like on the superhero train. Like two, three years ago, I was down, and then they just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again, and I am just sick of it at this point. <laughs> Like I'm just, I just want to make myself stop going to see these movies because I just don't enjoy watching them ever. I felt like the Venom versus Carnage thing actually kind of felt more like if you're comparing it to the other superhero movies, especially the Marvel ones, it kind of felt more like Hulk versus Abomination. Well, the, the MCU ones, yeah. Even though this, this is originally, a Marvel movie, yeah. Well, originally, well, and now it's an MCU. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it is. It's part. <laughs> of, I mean, we don't have to say much more than that. It's just now it is part officially part of the MCU. Yeah, but um. That's probably but a spoiler. It but wasn't, I, but it wasn't originally, and still kind of isn't for almost the entirety of this movie. Yeah, and that actually kind of always led into my feeling about the Venom movies that 
they actually should have been part of the Amazing Spider-Man universe with Andrew Garfield just because aesthetically and comedically and 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 everything like that, it always felt like it was in the well, same... Well, now they are going to be in the part of the same universe because Andrew no, Garfield's going to be a part of the next one, so... Yeah, but not necessarily... I mean, but yeah, but if if they truly bring all of them, as far as I've seen in the trailers for the new Spider-Man movie, it's just going to be the Tobey Maguire stuff. Well, they're Maguire not showing it in the trailer, but... I hope they bring Andrew Garfield in. I would really be hyped for that because he's my are. favorite. He's I, probably... It, my favorite as well. But my argument is that Venom in these movies has always been part of the universe that has the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. They've always been yeah. in that universe together, but, and like, then now they both are being brought into the MCU. All of this new. stuff is just so like I just do not care who is <laughs> in what universe. Are we going to bring everybody in and make it like all this stuff? Like, like do make story choices. Like, look at Spider Verse. Spider Verse. They didn't make a whole big deal out of it. Like, that's just part of what the story is. Is people being brought from the multiverse? They did it. It has a story specific thing because it's the whole movie's about who. Is Spider-Man who is Spider-Man like allowed to be in terms of like one person as a part of a mass population of people and like finding your identity yeah. separately from the different spider people? Like all of that is this this big multiverse stuff, but like actually put towards a story purpose. When we're talking about Venom and Spider-Man, for, well, I mean we don't, we can't really judge the third Spider-Man movie yet because it hasn't come out. But like in terms of this, when they pull this crap at the end, I'm like. Stop it. I, I do not care. I do not want to have to talk about this. I do not want to have to think about this. Like, it is just annoying to me at this point. Oh, my gosh. You really, like, I mean, that that little bit just really bothered you then. I didn't think well, it would. Like, it's just, it's just, you I, you know why they're doing it. Well, do you it's think a, it was Sony's okay. decision or do you think it was Marvel's decision? I don't care whose decision it was. Sony is literally advertising for Disney at this point. So you look at half of the movies that are in the theater right now. They are owned by, owned by Disney. I don't know if this is like actually statistically true or not. So now you have that, right? You have Sony, the one studio that Disney does not own right now. And they are shilling out for them, getting people to go see their new movie in December. By this advertisement at the end of this movie. It's like, not I an advertisement for gosh sakes. Well, it's, not, it's just, it's. I had a lot of fun with that. That was actually probably my favorite after, after credit scenes of all, uh, of, of all of the movies. I think that was my favorite one other than the one in Far From Home. Just because the Far From Home one was such a big like mic drop moment. But then this is also halfway connected <laughs> to that one anyways. But... It's the, Doesn't no, matter. they're the same thing. They're the same joke. They're the same drop or the same whatever you want to call it. They're, yes and no. They're, they're saying the same thing. They're saying we're going to bring all your favorite toys into the same toy box. We haven't even really even described what happens in this movie. Because nothing happens in this movie. Yes, That's why. It, yes, it I already does. explained it. It's a rom-com. Tom and Hardy and Venom uh, have Tom a relationship and, and then they break up and then they get back together. That's the entire movie. No, no, it's not. They well, have, they fight, they obviously, well, they fight Carnage, but yeah. Yeah, there's, you're missing the half of this entire movie. Yes, there's the... Are you going to tell me that there's like nuance to their relationship or something? Yes. Well, you're, yeah, it, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think you're really dealing with like, yes, you t your point about the relationship between Venom and, and, and Eddie is, is definitely a conflict, but it's not the conflict of the story. It actually is just a tool used to push along the main conflict, which is that this serial killer has broken out of jail and has a symbiote now because of Venom. And so 
Well, right. And that's that whole the, I mean, situation. I don't know what the terminology is, but you're just like that's the but that's, that's the, the plot. That's, that's the plot. Not, but like, it's the, not a breakup the movie. Story. No, yes, it is definitely a breakup movie. No, it's not. It's a rom com. That's what the story is. No, that's what I disagree. That's what the entire dramatic and emotional arc of the movie is supposed to be. Because they have this whole big moment at the end when Tom Hardy and Venom get back together, and they do the stupid thing where they're like, "Ooh, we're working together now, so we can defeat the bad guy." Like that is so stupid. Like we have seen that. So many times, and it's a it's a it's a beat that can work. Like we see, we've seen it work because you do the work to get there. And like, okay, the Avengers, obviously, and it works the best when you don't say it out loud. That that's what's going on. Like in the Avengers, you get them all, you have them all have their own individual problems. Then at the end of the movie, they all get in their circle, and the camera pans around. No one has to say anything. But they're showing to you, oh, they're not fighting anymore. They're working together to defeat the bad guys. The fact that you're comparing Here, this to Avengers as if Avengers is better than this is, is are you shocking. Se- you th- what? Yeah. I, Venom is way better. What on earth are you? The first, are you, the first are you, Avengers are you, are you movie looks. Are you messing with me right no. now? The first Avengers movie, for one, just looks terrible and is extremely corny and is just way too uh, obsessed with itself and Okay, they put, they, put they have no no. Put all of that aside. That, that movie all, might be the most aside. immature movie of, of all time. Put all of it aside. Compare the one thing that I'm talking about: the team up in Avengers to the team up in Venom. It's completely different, and it's earned in, it, but in it's Venom. It's the same beat, though. But it's all it's, I'm saying. All I'm saying is that in Venom, they explicitly say out loud, "Oh my gosh, there's no breakup we, in, we, in 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 Avengers." There first definitely off. is a breakup in Avengers because they, they all get thrown at, right before the the end of the third act. They all get thrown off into different places. Yeah, but that's but not I, a, okay. that's not a decision to break up. They well, are but, being influenced. But structurally, by Loki. that's what's happening. What I'm saying is that in the Avengers, what happens is they come together, and because they come together, they are able to defeat the bad guy, and they do not say that they're coming together. They show that they are coming together. In Venom, Tom Hardy and Venom are broken up. They come together. They say out loud, we are working together now, and because we are working together, we can now defeat Carnage. They state that out loud. All I'm saying is that it's a worse story I would love story for you to pull up the script and, and find me the specific to line. To say that than it is how it functions in the Avengers. In the Avengers, the beat, where they team up, you cannot tell me. There is no the breakup. They've been a can, team the entire movie of, of Avengers. Did you even watch the movie? Of yes. course there's a breakup. Like when Bruce, when Thor gets thrown out the thing in the jail, in the in the circular thing, yeah. thrown out of the earth. Not his when decision Bruce, to do that. When Bruce, but that's all because they fight at the beginning and they allow Loki to come in and get them all to fight against each other when 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 Bruce is like, when the, when the spear thing is there. I haven't even seen this in five years. And I know this is how. How do you not think that there's a breakup in the Avengers? That's literally it's part of the It's not a breakup in the same way. But it's being separated. If you get into a car with 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 somebody and then you get out of the car and the like, car drives off, you didn't you didn't have a, an emotional breakup with the person. You just well, yeah, got separated at a, from a distance from about, them. Okay, so I'm talking about that's the pl- all that happened. I'm talking about the plot, right? So it's a different type of breakup in the sense that it's a different genre. Here it's a rom like this is a this is jo- the genre like the yeah. the is is a break you're, you're, is a, a rom com. Can I can I just say my piece here with yeah. this and and the and the difference that there is actual like emotion and reason behind that because Tom Which there Hardy is an Avenger- so I agree because, because 
having a symbiote like Venom, who is very, very toxic and, and well, literally and figuratively, to be around and have him constantly in your mind is a serious, serious strain on any person, let alone let alone Eddie Brock. And so, right, so you're describing having, a romantic relationship between two people. I'm not I'm not disassociating it with that. Absolutely. It's it's very similar and it has mirrors to it for sure. Because they are cohabitating literally the same body. Right. So, so they have to do that. Right, exactly. But, so it's but structured the like a relationship is, movie. Is, is, is after you see how destructive that can be. And so they have that moment. And it just happens to have really bad timing with the with the actual beginning of the main conflict of the story that this serial killer now has a symbiote. So it actually is using... Which, the, how the, did he get the symbiote? I don't understand how any of that works. Like, he gets one piece of blood from Venom and Venom's, like, small blood ends up... Like, one fraction of Venom somehow be, makes him more powerful than no, Venom it, was to begin with. I am so confused about how any of that worked. But No, I think it's because he is killing a lot of people and therefore it's getting kind of juiced up. But they don't, like, don't explain know. any they, of that, they, though. Yeah, and even if they did, you wouldn't like it. So what difference does that make? I mean, you you don't like when people explain that stuff. You don't like the expository scenes like that. You... <laughs> It depends. With something like that, it just seems so nonsensical to me. But it's not, I again, it's I a minor point. I just went along point. with it. But but I'm talk But I'm saying that the timing of having the the venom breakup makes complete sense because he ruined that opportunity to get that yeah, final scoop. I'm aware and of then, all this. They're just but it they're works. playing the romantic comedy beats. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes it so boring. Like they're just that's that's literally the beats of a typical romantic comedy just put into the context. Well, once it gets past that point, then the it's not about that. Movie. Then it's about literally this killer, and then what happens with him and his uh, girlfriend that he was separated from, and. <laughs> It's, right, it's, so it's, so if we go back to the Avengers, it's not a, it's not the same type of breakup as what happens at Avengers. In the Avengers, you have everyone who kind of has their own way. You've up to this point, you've had. I mean, it's a little bit different because you've got four movies that come beforehand, but you've got all these people who have their own way of dealing with bad guys. So then they come in together and they've got all those people in the same room together and they're fighting about how they're going to defeat Loki. And because they can't agree on how things are going to work out, and they all have philosophical different different philosophical beliefs on how they should deal with the problem. They can't work together, and bad things happen. They end up being separated from each other and they have to come back together to beat them. I'm not like it's just like there's yeah, but it's definitely like I, I don't understand what you're, you're saying. You're, how it's not how they don't break up like they because they just do. But at at no point does anybody say, oh, I don't want to fight these ba this bad guy. At no point do these people ever f actually have their goals misaligned. They always are on the same page that we need to defeat Loki and whatever he's bringing. Right, but they are trying to do it in That's different not ways. If one of them is like, no, I don't want to beat him. I want, you know... That's has how like you a, create thematic nuance. I mean, I'm not saying that the Avengers is is but you, the most nuanced film in the world. But no, like, it's... it's we gotta get I, onto scores. We're well, gonna run out of time. Yeah. I, I would love to sit and actually do Avengers one time because I, I think that movie is terrible and, and it... Especially now, like in retrospect, if you watch that, it just looks awful. They use like 60 FPS way too often too with it. Okay, and they don't. Sh they did not shoot the Avengers at 60 FPS. Certain scenes, yes, and I can show you which ones. You shoot um, 60 FPS so that you can slow it down into slow mo. So if they're doing something like yeah, but they but if they shoot it like that and then they decide, oh, actually, we don't want to use slow mo for that. Then, then, it, then it gets downscaled to 24. Still, I'm, they're I'm, not going to shoot it in 60 FPS. I will show you the scenes. Uh, okay, so scores. First category, Gideon. What do we uh, got for first impression. I really liked it. I liked it the, more than the first one. Uh, I I had a lot of fun with it. I was very pleased with this. I would say a nine. 
it wasn't, you know, the best superhero movie I've ever seen. It's not up there with the first Iron Man or something like that, but it's definitely really, really solid. This movie's terrible. I, I give this a three. I like I can understand having a good time with it. I can understand connecting to the relationship between Tom Hardy and Venom and seeing how there's like something, but like <sighs> it's there's it's in terms of storytelling, structural screenwriting, all the basic things, it just does not it does not accomplish those things. The thing that it has is the cup chemistry between Tom Hardy and himself. Um, three, it, maybe four. I, I I was waffling between a three and a four. I just don't like this movie. Um, I I can be generous and give you a four. You know what I actually want to see somebody make now that just a random aside here. I want to see somebody take the scene where. Uh, Eddie has Venom drawing the stuff that they saw in the cell really fast with the double double handed markers just going and and have a side by side with that and Sonny from iRobot when he does when he's doing the same thing like when he's drawing out his dream just to have like this weird compilation of people like drawing super fast and it looks really awkward but <laughs> I think it looks even worse in this movie though than uh, in in iRobot but uh, second category here Gideon what do we got story. I liked it. I liked how it kind of had equally valid, you know, plots. I didn't feel like there was much weight lost between the A plot and the B plot, and they tied in very well together and both made each other very relevant. Um, I thought the writing was actually really solid. I had a lot of fun with that. I, I think maybe the beginning, the absolute beginning of the movie might not have been as good as it could have been, and certain parts, well, certain parts were rushed. I will say that the whole part, because they, they, they really just do not care about the reporter side of Eddie Brock anymore in these movies. In the first one, they kind of have that buildup where he kind of gets a little more famous. But with with this one, it's like he has his big story and they have one dude on the TV kind of explain that Eddie's back in the spotlight. And then you see him go from like this Honda bike that's still pretty decent then to a brand new Ducati. And that's about all you see. And he's got a newer, bigger TV. And that's about it. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it just it just seemed like they kind of rushed that part. But I still liked overall the the story beats and stuff. Um, I would give it uh, seven. Yeah, this is the worst part of the movie. Three. Okay. If all the there's other things that are that are beneficial about here, the story is not it. Okay. Uh, next category. Acting. I didn't have any issue with the acting. I liked everybody. Uh, who's the guy who plays the detective? I've seen him in a million things. He's in a lot of HBO stuff. He plays Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. He's yeah, in he, I recognize him as well. I don't know his name, though. It's uh, Stephen Graham? So, Stephen Graham, yeah. yeah. that sounds right. Yeah, I like him as an actor. I wasn't expecting him to be in it at all. I had not seen him on any trailer or anything, and I was like, oh, cool, he's in it, and we got Woody Harrelson, and I mean, really, star-studded cast. I don't think anybody did any anything too bad. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and the voice acting for whoever plays Venom is doing pretty darn well too. Tom uh, Hardy. It is Tom Hardy who yeah. does Venom as well. Oh, cool. Uh, so then that's why I said he has chemistry with between him and himself. Oh, I got it. I thought you were just saying because you know when they actually have to film these scenes, obviously he's not talking to anything, so he's got well, like he, yeah, he is. He's got himself in his ears. Okay. But my point is that Venom isn't actually like floating there, no, kind of yeah, yeah. you know, off off his shoulder or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I give the acting uh, an eight. 
really solid, but I don't think anybody was too insanely great either. Yeah. But I don't think anybody was bad. I think this is like a six or a seven. I think I'm going to go six just because Tom Hardy is the is the best performance here. He's really? more predictable. He's he's more predictable here than he was in the first one. In the first film, there's moments where I was like, oh, uh, oh, okay, he's doing that now. Like, and there's just moments where it's like you're just kind of struck by like him making choices. Here, you don't have that uh, exciting factor. Woody Harrelson is playing a generic serial killer. I thought Naomi he was Harris fun. is not even like compare this her role in this to her role in Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest and it's not even close I was right I was thinking that was the girl who played Calypso yeah I was like there's no way that's so her she's so much better in Dead Man's Chest how like, young was she when she was doing Dead Man's Chest that's movies from like 2005 and but, she looks like she's only the like thing 30 is, those two roles this. are very similar in the sense that she's like a like some lady that's sort of vaguely in love with an evil villain person Wait, but like you don't in, even know in Dead Man's Chest but in Dead, Man, right, in Dead Man's Chest you don't know by the third one but in both Dead Man's Chest and At World's End she's actually got like conflict inside of her like she actually has reason and like she's got she's kind of like in the first in the in Dead Man's Chest she's kind of helping Jack and you don't really know what's going on but then she has genuine like emotional things because she's so powerful and all those there's a whole bunch of things happening whereas in this she's mostly just in love with him and then he tries to kill her so she's not but then she kind of is and it just is it's just a very there's you, no real character there. I want you to look up and tell me how old she was when she did that first part, or when she was in the All right, second part of the Caribbean. The because, next category is look and feel. I thought this was really good looking. I, I had no issues with any of the graphics. I thought it looked very, very good. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought uh, the rave scenes were really well done, like the interaction with the people. She was 30. She was 30? She's 45 now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Holy cow! Because that's that's incredible to me. Because she she's like looks so young in this. So they really aged her up in in when she was thirty for for that role. Because honestly, she looks like she's thirty in this, and she was like forty five in in Pirates. So that that is just incredible how they did that. And yeah. kudos to the makeup artists. I mean, on both on both films. But uh, vi uh, look and feel for this. I was I was very impressed. I thought it was really really solid. Probably an improvement on the first one, even. Um, yeah, visually, it's definitely improved over the first one. There's the color palette is definitely more interesting because they've got that that red contrast, whereas the first one is just a mix of blue and 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 black and gray. Yeah, um, especially that the church scene, the set piece there. That's what I was talking about the, the religious subtext, which it's not really religious subtext. It's just they said it in a church. When you set in a, when you set stuff in a church, you've got to have some sort of like actual religious subtext going on where it means something. Here, it's just kind of like it feels like they said in a say they set it in a church and I really have trouble discerning why they made that decision because there's not because it was the wedding well right the wedding for well, yes but there's got to be something more than that I feel like if you're going to make that decision like you make the like wedding and then if you're going to set that in the church as your final set piece like you kind of got to build thematically out from there like I because setting in the church as their final set piece is a, is a cool decision like and I love and it creates a great visual uh, uh, production design but I like, think they might have you, also done it you for the bell build, well right so you've got all those elements but like none of the rest of the film up to that point supports that so like you can have all this keep all that the same but I feel like if you kind of like drag that backwards and like make it so that the thematic delineation of the film leads up into that and we've got like religious ideas like even if it's something that's like uh, exorcism of a outside force inside of your body which is what Venom is I don't even know that's just one idea but like something like that so that the church has more meaning other than just being a cool uh, set
I don't know, man. I think I think it's that alone makes this more interesting visually than the first film. Mm. Um, the score in both is negligible. I uh, six again, and, and I said eight for that, or what did sure. I say? Final category: experience. Experience. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Again, probably my second favorite end credit scene of all time for any Marvel movie. Uh, I really just had a lot of fun with it. I like I said, I wasn't bored at any point. The runtime is like perfect, and I think the pacing was perfect, and I just had a great time. Uh, good movie experience overall. I got to sit in a theater that didn't have dream loungers, and I always prefer that. I had a good good time at this whole movie, and uh, I'd give it a nine. I was not bored either by any like it's a nine it's a ninety little bit more than ninety minute movie. Uh, so I, it's like whatever. I don't hate myself watching it. I did not really enjoy the experience though. Uh, four. Okay. So so when we, when we come back. Yep. When we come back, uh, we'll be giving you the scores on Venom. Let there be carnage, and then we'll be talking about the master. So stick around. Hi, this is Larry Mueller, and I'm inviting you to join our conversations that begin each weekday after 11. We'll talk about your interests and lifestyles. We meet authors and share stories. We look after you and your pet's health, and we keep a watchful eye on consumer ripoffs. It works best when you call in with your questions here on the Ideas Network. Tomorrow morning at 11, here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon here is about to give you the store for Venom Let There Be Tarnage from us, and then we'll be, we will be getting into The Master. So, Gideon, what is our store? All right, we scored a 64 out of 100 for Venom 2, uh, putting it below Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and which was at 66. What's the nearest one below? The Searchers at 63. <laughs> okay. I, I would agree that I enjoyed Venom a lot more than The Searchers, I think. <laughs> I would say that The Searchers is a stupidly better movie than Venom. Like, not even in the <laughs> same realm of conversation. So, you know, on this any is planet, just getting including to, ours. Getting to see your face while you're saying that and knowing that Venom is now officially rated higher by us than The Searchers is just funny Also to me. rated lower than Venom, The Princess Bride. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Had a lot more fun with Venom than I did that movie. Oh, man. But, okay. Uh, and I saw a YouTube poll where somebody was like, "What's the? what are some of the best comedies? And that one was, like, just dominating. I'm like, why? I just don't get it. I don't get the appeal. But uh, up next is The Master, another movie about uh, a powerful person controlling another person. And <laughs> Yes, there's our connection. Yeah, um, uh, The Master, much more complex, uh, much more... Uh, nuanced, much it, more uh, cinematically intelligent. And uh, it tries to be awardy, and you know, it tries <laughs> to be artsy. I don't know, I, but if you if you like Joker and you like Joaquin's acting in Joker, then it's not a far step from what he did here. So, uh, so this has Joaquin Phoenix. The and way it kind of plays out is you've got Joaquin Phoenix playing Freddy who is just coming out of the war and is trying to find a job. He's heavy drinking. He doesn't really know what's up with life. He's kind of a chemist, actually. He's not even drinking, like, regular alcohol. He's, no, like, he's taking like chemicals. his own, yeah, <laughs> weird drink. So then he goes on to Philip Seymour Hoffman's boat, um, just kind of stumbles upon it, and, and Felix Seymour, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's playing a character named Lancaster Dodd. Um, cool name, by the way. Good. Yeah, good great name, actually. He drinks this thing and he's like yo 
you man, I want you. But not as make, my bartender. Make, make but... <laughs> some make some drinks for me again. Yeah. Um, Which happens one time. He makes one drink for him and then Well, no, it happens I think once more after that. Like he he mentions it again later, but that so that's kind of like the impetus, but it's not the it's not the crux of the movie. Yeah. Um I, so then after that, you've got this absolutely fascinating dynamic between these two characters that kind of plays out throughout the film. Um, and so it's th their relationship between Master and whatever you want to call Freddy. Uh, you can call him a dog. You so, can call no, him an animal. You I, can call him a uh, human. You can call him... There's a lot of things, but what, however you put it, Lancaster Dodd is his master. And it's like this super weird dynamic but it's like absolutely brilliant but then outside of that you've also got the the relationships through the rest of uh dodd's like entourage which is like his religion so he's got his wife his kids and then a whole bunch of these other people that are also following him and his like base his, his cult and his religious ideas uh, I, I have a term for the kind of character Joaquin Phoenix plays in this, and I, and I like to describe that as the wild card side character. And I, I have a love for those type of uh, characters. Side character? He's not a He's, side character. This but. is an exception where he is actually the main character, but there are a lot of movies that always have that kind of person that is this sort of um, kind of the muscle and the person who will just blatantly follow somebody around and will do yeah, what they say. He's, he's the he's the he's the attack dog. I, I don't know if you've seen Game of Thrones, um, but like Braun sure, uh, yeah. is, is like that with yeah. Tyrion and you have you have a ton of other ones. I was I can't I wish I had brought that list I had because I was like listening Yeah, He's a whole the bunch. henchman, but it's kind of like a psychological analysis of that as like that's actually a really interesting point because if you look at it from that perspective, like you get all of these henchmen who just randomly do whatever the master tells them, but here it's like actually psychologically analyzing what that looks like from his perspective in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And, Cause, I, and that's, those are some of the most interesting parts of the movie is where like when they're at the, at the house and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman gets, gets pulled away by the cops and then immediately as yeah. soon as they, like Phoenix is like, he's, he's off. He goes off on the cops and he's like, and, and Dodd's like, don't hurt him. Do whatever you do. Like, don't like leave him alone. And it's such a fat, like, cause you, it's like, there's it's a fascinating like, scene for sure. Cause like. You don't know if he like genuinely cares about him, but it seems like he does. But it's like, is it out of self-interest? Is it because he like genuinely cares about him and wants what's best for him? Does he? And then if he does that, does he like that relates to his ideas of like trying to fix him using his religion? And so does he actually believe what he's saying about the religion? Or is he just spouting random nonsense that he's trying to get all these people to follow him for his own ego? Like there's yeah. so much like this entire every single scene in this is absolutely rife with subtext and like absolutely complicated that even after watching it, I've only seen it two times. Like I feel like I could watch this three more times and still not have quite an idea of what's going on. Um as much as like I, as much like I do, and this is Paul Thomas Anderson is great at this. Um, you look at something like Phantom Thread and the dynamic between uh, Daniel Lewis's character and and the and the person he ends up marrying. Um, I forget her characters, uh, Vicky or something. And like there, Vicky Creeps is the is the is the is the is the actress. The name is Alma um, of the character. Like their relationship and what it like how that plays out. It's all through little looks. It's through like random sound effects that throw them off. Like when she's like scraping bread on butter and it's like literally making him go off his entire morning. 
and it's like all these things and how their relationship progresses through like little subtextual uh, evolutions through the through the entire film. And this is the same way where it's like you never explicitly get a statement on how any of their relationships are actually working. So, but like you've got, but you still understand what's going on on a base level. So, it, so it gives the film a real like momentum from start to finish because you see him go from. Uh, job the job the job to finally finding a home of sorts um, and then him kind of having to wrestle with his inherent nature to kind of like run away from home because we see him at the beginning run from place to place to place to place because like he's had this like Which was kind of inability a waste of time. to no I love that opening bit because without that you don't have his 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 nature like I think that and I helped. love how you show all of that because what happens when you see that is you is you're in his in in his mindset so you see he's on the boat and then he goes from the boat to work in the photography or I think yeah. he goes does he go to the photography job or the planting photography, job first then plantation then yeah so you see him him do that and so you see him go and have and each of those scenes kind of has their own relationship to what's happening in the rest of the movie because he's making the drink at the same time. He's got the photography thing, the which photography he brings thing in later. Does paint, and does then work into that. But then he poisons he poisons the the dude at the plantation. And then later Philip Seymour Hoffman asks him, Are you poisoning me? And he says, Not if you drink it right. So it does play in. But either way, that, that entire sequence, which is a largely a wordless sequence, similarly to the way that the, the, the beginning of There Will Be Blood is a wordless sequence where we're kind of in the shoes of Dan, of Daniel Plainview and seeing how he his just raw determination and just watching him play out and like literally grind for hours on end to make himself who he was like it's and then and this is the same thing except this is a completely different character and watching him be a dog without a home and then he finally finds that his master but then at the end of the film like you've got like there's just I, again i, I okay, can go so on and I, on and i on have about, a lot like, to the, say about this movie fascinating too. fascinating dynamic of what's going on and throughout like the entire two hours i have a lot to say about this movie too i, th I think a lot of i think a lot of the opening sequence was kind of wasted time and I know you disagree, um, but but like wasted how? Like what is wasted? You didn't need about to show it? any of the stuff on the beach. I think if you're going to show him in the navy, if you're going to show him in the navy, show him doing the thing that he did to the torpedo. <sighs> you have him because then that's building upon his character and being this this guy who that seems to be a specialization is 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 knowing what chemicals are ingestible and will make you. That will really like mess you up. That's part so, of that opening sequence. Opening not scene on the, on, well, on on the, the beach. On the boat, on the beach you slightly. see him on the boat do that. Thing. I know that's my point. That's what I'm saying. Start with him on the boat in the navy. Have him. You know they had the the background noise of the announcement about. Uh, but you can't take a, a victory any of Japan this stuff because that's all thematically relevant. Because half of his thing is his inability to be like sexually outside of his own like base desires because that's what animalism comes down to like when it comes down to it as an animal your job is to procreate and if you don't have that then you don't have anything else in life so who he is he can't do anything other than think about sex like he literally can't that's what that entire scene that's what the entire sequence is setting up and no, that's also that, they're, what they're frames the end of the film establishing that too. because he's been at war how about that how about the fact that maybe he hasn't seen a no, woman in five years because he's about out that dude you can't just take it out because that's the entire thematic construct of the entire film. So you've got that, and then you see once he's let off the leash at the end, when he finds the woman, and then we cut from that to the beach once again. That's the last shot of the film. But then you've got little the, the, the things we threw out about, about how sexuality relates to religion. And in, how, in his and, case, and religion and the lack thereof. In and his what case, happens I, when you I, don't have religion. I attributed his over-sexualization of stuff at the beginning as him being at war and hasn't seen a woman in a long time and after the war finishes he's still not released from that because they 
figured out that he was mentally uh, not all there. So then he's in a treatment center for a really brief time in the in the movie. I don't know. I, he could have been there well, for they, a couple they, of years. They, they don't but, show exactly the time time frame that, and they kind of they, they kind of push and pull the time. Like you get to that scene where he's talking to the 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 mom on the porch, and she's like, and he's like, how long has she been gone for? And she's like, it's been like seven years or whatever it was. And he and you see in his face, he he doesn't really understand even how much time has passed, and neither do we well, up until five, that point. Five, well, he went back, so it's a it's a push and pull that's intended to be sort of ambiguous. You're right. It is seven years because um, she was 16 the first time he goes yeah, back after the war. Yeah. Then she's 23. 23. Um, but the whole, the the 95% of this movie takes place in, in 1950. Um, but I think they could have cut the stuff on the beach, still could have made certain points about that. But I, I don't think sexuality was really much of a focus in this. I think. Did you watch the movie? Yes, I did. <laughs> the I entire the thing. thing is about sexuality and no, his, and I like disagree. there's. You can't, but it's, you're just, you're misreading it then. Well, no, you know, like me, that's the scene where he's, where he's in the thing where everyone's naked and stuff. And he's like, that's I that thought coming it was because he's been and drinking and he's in, drunk. But then, and but he's, you can't he's, just he's, ignore he's, it. Like that's popped up the, on what he's, what he's That's the text he's though. That's him imagining his own sexual desires onto reality, ignoring what's actually happening okay. for his own personal things. But then you've also got Philip Seymour Hoffman, Lancaster Dodd's sexuality with his wife and how he's like had these past relationships with his wife. And now his current wife is kind of like serving him in a way that we can kind of see that his past relationships haven't. Um, and, and that relationship with, I can't describe what happens on air, but you know what happens. Like that's all part of it. And that, and that, and that relationship between spirituality and materialism and how sex fits in between those two things and how you can't have it without one or the other that is developed throughout the entire film from start to finish. It's where the film starts. It was where the film ends. And if you don't think that it's there, then you're just misreading the film. <laughs> I'm just not putting that much weight into those scenes as you are. But you you can't not put it there because that's what the film is like. That's what the f images are shown to you. Is oh, his relationship to sexuality from no. the start it's all his the relationship, way through the movie and to the end. It's his relationship to Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and his psyche as it's evolving throughout the film. Yes, and how that's it's part changing. of it. But then if you don't see the sexuality, like that's literally part of what, that's why he's going to him in the first, that's part of why he's there in the first place. Is because he could like that's part of what happens with the photo scene too. Is he gets kicked out because he's he's sexually disturbed by the dude who's who's talking no, about his wife. Not. No, he's not. He's not. He literally goes off on him because the dude's like talking goes, that it says that it's for his wife. That's why he does goes all of that. Off on him because they're establishing that he has a. a he he abuses alcohol and the concoctions he makes. That's yes, the, that's also part of it. Like you're just, just you can't just say one thing. Part of it is because there's like a bunch of different things all I'm going not on at once. Correlating all of those. See those sections that are sexualized, and and I'm not I'm not correlating it like that. I'm looking at it like because they put much more weight into what he is able to do with alcohol and stuff like that, and that is a crux that that pushes him through this film. That is why he is kicked off the plantation. That is what he specializes in when he's in the military, as far as we know. That he is some sort of chemist for for the navy. Yeah, all of that but, stuff is true, but. It, but it that gets him fired that, from the. That doesn't get, mean that this, he's, that he's, he's not also sexually repressed and has problems with that. I, I think he is sexually re sexually repressed, sure, but I don't think that is the main focus of Dude, this film. That, okay, how can you say that it's not that more when the last frame is literally him looking at a naked 
picture of a sand woman, a naked sand. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's imagining laying next to that like he was on the beach years ago. Uh, and, okay, so, so if what? that's the last film, frame of the film, how do you not realize that that's what the film is about? It's not. It's not what the film is about. That's why I don't. You just think that people just randomly throw that in there for no reason? Yeah, they do that in all the artsy no! movies. A lot, a ton That's, of artsy movies. Oh my gosh! They do that in a million of them. I mean, it's it's a common thing that happens all the time in in indie movies, but you what don't see it in the normal movies. About? People don't just make decisions for no reason just to throw it in there. Yeah, they do. Like, they do it all the do time. Do you understand what writing is? Yes, I do. They put it in there because it means something, and it's been developed from it, the start of the film to the end. <laughs> Like that doesn't just happen. I don't it's think not it's the accident. main. It's it's a part of the movie. I don't think it's the main focus of the movie. I'm not saying movie. it's the main focus you're, either. I'm you're just treating you're it like it is. No, you're you're not even acknowledging that it even exists. I am acknowledging that there is definitely definitely some repressed like sexual tension throughout this entire movie that pertains to his character. Absolutely. Do I think that's the main focus of his character well, development? I'm not, say, or I'm that not even saying it's that. Like any of that sort of stuff. No, I I don't put as much weight into those scenes as you are. I don't That's even know what you're saying. We got to move on to scores. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I yeah. I feel like I I've got like two seconds here to even talk about how I felt about the majority of this film. No, you can. We got. I mean, first impression. You can. You can kind of. We got 15 minutes. First left, so. impression. I didn't even understand this film. I didn't understand the end of it. I understood most of it, but I don't understand. Uh, and uh, this is kind of spoilers. Kind of not without context, but it also is a a, a nine year old film. So it's sorry. Nine years old, and there's but also. Like, I don't know why he. What the point was of him going to London. I don't understand to literally deliver cigarettes. Yes, that's like, so stupid. To me. Yes, that's so stupid. Yes. There was no point in that. Yes, you could have actually yes. ended this film a lot sooner. Well, then you could no, have just no. ended the film with him driving off, and then that's it. Or when he's having his final scene with with that with the 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 girl's mom, then end the movie there. There's no point in going anywhere beyond that, and it doesn't make sense to me. And I didn't understand the point. The the point was to say what that you're that, you're all in or not in at all, and then he just and, and it's like okay cool, uh that was that was just kind of useless. It it just didn't seem to make sense to me. I didn't understand the ending or why the ending was relevant. I feel like they had a decent ending if you would have ended with him finding out that the girl <sighs> is gone and he missed that opportunity and now his life just moves on. Boom done. But they didn't. They ended it weird. I didn't understand why they decided to end it like that. Well, I don't understand. I, have, I don't understand it either. But like, I you feel it. I don't feel it. I feel the the most pain in that is is him here is hearing the news about the girl, and that's that's the end. And it, although it's not a bright ending, that should have been where it ended. And have him maybe do a scene where he's moving on or walking off or doing something, and it's just it's him just well, that, moving on in his life. <laughs> but maybe it's because of the the help he got from Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and that religion that maybe he. Progresses more, but or maybe he goes back to no, it because I don't it's think comfort. He, I don't think he does. I think what's going on. I mean, I I don't even want to claim to know what's going on there because I think it's so complicated, and it's all very visually driven. So trying to explain it verbally doesn't really For, even but, work because to take the film and try to bring it down to the terms of language doesn't really. By even, the way, I really give it a work. I give it a six. It was entertaining. It was more entertaining than most indie films. I I feel like I've I've seen, and I at least for. 60% of this, I was really into it in the middle when they actually get into the parts with the cult and all that. I found that very interesting. So I will give it a six because of that. I didn't feel it ended great. I felt like the beginning lagged way too much behind where it should have been. And it, it so if you're going to watch it, folks, if you want to watch the Max version of it, just fast forward to when he's walking on the docks and he finds the odd. Just go right to that scene. You don't need any of the beginning. Boom. Next category. What do we got? 
Um, I haven't finished first impression yet. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Um, first impression. I think the the ending is a so he's kind of the whole relationship. He's kind of let off the leash in the motorcycle scene is kind of, I think, what's going on there, which itself is this weirdly profound thing where they're like the open landscape of the desert, similar to the same place where he got the the new book out of, um, the new book that's completely meaningless nonsense. Um, so he kind of leaves there, and we and we cut away before we can really even see whether he's gotten back with him or not. Whether like because he because Dodd goes after him, and then we cut away. Which um, I didn't understand. They had a car with them. Why were they walking? Because they're it's. That's what I'm saying, man. The whole thing is like weirdly sense. profound in the way that like it's like you've got people doing certain uh, to try and describe the art in language. <laughs> it you can't. It doesn't work. Like you can't. You can't bring the 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 art in and describe it and try to say that it, ma it doesn't make sense because it just it, it's just not the way it works. It just doesn't. Well, it doesn't make sense. So, right, art does not make sense. Art is not in the in the realm of what we can understand. Art is some somewhere beyond the 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 material explanation that we can give it. But in terms of where the film goes after that, he's drawn back for whatever reason. But then it like triggers him the like <laughs> there's so much going on there. There's also a thing that I noticed when what he's is, got what is, can, can you tell me your score first? Because we gotta keep moving here. We got eight nine. minutes here. Um so there's this I noticed this. I don't even know if this is real, but the whole movie's got this a very shallow depth of field. In that last scene, they're not focused on his eyes, on 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 uh on Freddie's eyes. They're focused on his ears. For the entire scene, and I saw that because they hold on him for a good amount of time, and I was this is weird. Like there, it's because normally you're gonna want to focus on the eyes because that's where the the windows to the solar or whatever. But they're focused on his ears. And I was like, that's odd. They cut to Dodd, and before they cut away to the next scene, it focuses back to his eyes, and then they cut to the scene in the bar with the girl, and I was like, that's odd. But he's like listening, going from listening to seeing seeing to seeing the girl at the bar like there's a, and so then from there again going back to his repressed sexuality and having and having that be the end of the film returning to his animal instincts of wanting to nothing so he's he's been the religion has provided him with like this wrong as either a rejected him b provided him with the wrong standard essentially um so that he kind of i think rejects spirituality entirely um and returns to nothing but uh, base animal instinct, but that's just like one possible dimension of it that I'm throwing out right now. Like this again, what like I said, trying to describe what's happening kind of in some ways um, is not helpful. But nine is my for, for first part impression. Of, part of that's why I hate indie films is it's just if you if it if the movie is I don't, super I don't know what hard you mean by to indie films because this because indie film can be defined in a lot of ways. Sometimes some people would not even describe the master as an indie film. It's it's because it's, it's Paul Thomas it's, Anderson. Oh, it's walk in the line. I will admit that this one walks the line of it, but when a movie is so hard to describe that it, it's yeah, like... Not, not, so the dictionary definition is not belonging to a film company, which this definitely does in the term, in that it literally is, uh, I think it's a... The, the the ones that just try to grab all the awards Weinstein and try to be film. profound and all this like deeper so, stuff, like, So you're saying that you don't uh, like I, the I, idea of art as a concept? Like, do you just reject that things can be art? Uh... 
No, but the difference between you and I is I like classical art. You like modern art. No, that's I, the difference. I, that's, modern art is terrible. I hate modern well, art. Well, that's how, how the way modernism you feel, is a disease that is destroying the society. That's, and I'm like I'm I'm okay. Oh, so I'm over exaggerating what I'm saying. Well, but. I I feel about the same way for that. But that's how I feel about our movies, where you like to really look into something that is kind of. To me, like imagine like you're at an art exhibit and there's like a black cube on a pedestal and it has some dumb name to it. It's like I feel like yeah, me that's looking stupid at that, and meaningless. Me, that's like well, that's that, like typing a banana on the wall and saying this is art. That's not art. Well, that's how I feel about these movies. Okay, but these movies are not typical. These are movies with specific narrative choices and specific visual audio. There's but so in this many case, Gideon, you're the guy who looks at that cube or the banana on the wall or something. You're like, wow, that has such deep meaning. Whereas I'm just the guy that's like. That's just that's, a cue. Okay, no, this that's is, how, no, that's there, the difference. There's a difference between saying, between looking at a Caravaggio and looking at a banana on a wall and saying, oh, that has meaning and that doesn't. Because if you look at a Caravaggio and say, Jesus is pointing his finger this way, the light's coming in this way, and people are looking at the table this way, like that means something. Okay, like you can't say that doesn't mean, like would you say that that doesn't mean something? Because that's I'd, classical I'd, art, this and that's Caravaggio making decisions with <laughs> art, with 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 light and, and framing and blocking with the characters on the scene. I'm talking about the, the calling of St. Matthew I, specifically. I try, I try not to look super deep into the meaning of art. I just like to look at the quality of it. That's why I like Albert Durer. That's why I like That's what the I'm talking original. about. I know, but with the but I'm not looking for deeper messages in this, and I feel so, like you so do you're in, saying that in films. that art doesn't mean anything? The art is just, that there's no... The because I, if it will mean something if the, if the creator tells me that's what it means. But I don't look for my own meaning but in that. that Okay, so but but hold on, let's let's get to our next category. We're gonna have to speed run this here, Gideon. We got four minutes. Let's do it. Nine, <sighs> nine was your first. We can talk about this later. Nine was your first impression. Mine I mean, was a I six. I think if let's, we finish this conversation, it will be more interesting than filling out the rest of the categories. Well, let's keep. We got to do the categories. People have been do waiting. We though? Yes, we do. Come on, next category. I think that yes. Let's give this film a score, Gideon. Please tell me the category. No, I want to finish talking about this. So, art specifically. <sighs> If if you don't have, I lost my train of thought. Let's just go uh, story. <laughs> yeah, let, let's do that. Uh, um, I, I felt it was interesting in the middle, uh, beginning and end. Still didn't really hold up that much. The the ending was meaningless. The middle actually had it was going somewhere and then it kind of didn't. Once he once he leaves that house, I don't know. Again, I'd probably give it a six. It was entertaining enough and it kept moving enough and it wasn't as egregious as some other films I've seen where it just kind of does its own thing too much and it just goes off these random non sequiturs that don't do anything. So I will give it a six for this. But okay. This relates to story. If you have the artist specifically state what the work means, it's not art anymore. It's the artist being a philosopher and telling you exactly what they think about life. The point of art is that it speaks for itself using the conventions, whether it's cinema, whether it's painting, whether it's literature, they're using the conventions and and breaking conventions to communicate something without it explicitly being stated. If you're explicitly stating a specific view on life, you're doing philosophy. You're not doing art. I'm not saying they, that the painting has to have a specific view on philosophy or whatever, or, or their philosophy. I just like to know what they're thinking and what what it means to them, right. because so then Paul my, interpre my interpretation doesn't matter. Specifically, communicating I, something, or even if he's not communicating something himself, he's allowing his art to speak for itself in terms of what what truth is, what religion is, what is the purpose of spirituality, what happens when we treat ourselves as animals with no with no meaning other than what happens to be the material. Like all of those things are present and shown in the in the way this story delineates, which is why I'm giving story a ten out of ten. Okay, next. Uh, acting. 
I'm not sure how to feel about acting. I thought it was all right. Um, I, I really... I really liked Philip Seymour Hoffman, and again, uh, Joaquin Phoenix kind of does his thing that he does with Joker um, in this a lot, just kind of um, going and stumbling around and doing his thing and has a lot of moments where it seems like police would have gotten involved, but they didn't, uh, especially towards the beginning. Um, but I really, I, I thought the acting was good, and they have a lot of good actors and actresses in it. Um, this is probably the strongest thing about it, so I would give it a... Give it a nine for acting. Yeah, I'm eight, a, I'm, eight for acting. Eight, eight for acting. Nobody was like blowing me away. Philip Seymour Hoffman was re, was probably he's the best. Crazy. I think I this is almost a ten. Like this is some of the best modern acting that I can even think of. Um, um, we gotta get to the next. Look category. and feel. Next category. I'm giving this a ten as well. Like it just is. It's Paul Thomas Anderson functioning on every possible level you can think of. This is as good as there will be blood or phantom thread. I I feel like this is again probably an eight. I thought it was pretty standard. I liked some of the. The way that they use natural lighting really and and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, final category? Uh, experience. I was kind of just weirded out by this movie. I didn't understand the ending, and because of that, and, and it just it just kind of seemed to be a little bit annoying here and there, and I don't know. Uh, five. Um, I kind of want to give this a 10, too. Like, I really just think this is something that I'll return to in the future a lot. Okay. Um, so then where does that put us with our final score, Gideon? 82 out of 100, which puts it at the same score as One Night in Miami and Jurassic Park. Okay. All right. I didn't realize Jurassic Park and One Night 